In this episode, I want to talk to you about building out your drum mix. That's coming up on Home Music Studio One. Hey, thanks for joining me today. My name is David Maxey. I'm the author and the creator of HomeMusicStudio1.com, and you are listening to the podcast. You might also be watching the video version of Home Music Studio One. Thank you very much for joining me here today. This is a place where you can learn to produce professional audio on any size budget. And if you'd like to take the next step to doing exactly that, head on over to FreeRecordingReport.com. Well, uh, today I want to get into recording and building out your entire drum mix. And we're just going to kind of take this a piece at a time. In our last episode, we dealt with really specifically working with the kick drum. And to just kind of a, a quick ray of reminder, we've been kind of building out what I refer to as the 4-3 framework for building a professional mix. The 4-3 represents the four tiers of any successful professional mix. And then the three part of the 4-3 is the fact that you have to think about those tiers in three different distinct phases. Uh, the first tier being the tone tier. You've got to process each track, each bus, each individual instrument dealing with tone. Secondly, the depth of field. What kind of space are you creating in the virtual world of your recording? Number three, what kind of uh, stereo width is happening? Where is the panning, the stereo field? Where is that lie? Where is the, the instrument, the voice? Where is it panned? Is it in center, left and right? And number four of the four tiers of the four three is the dynamic tier where where do instruments come in where is the how is the song produced as well as dynamics both uh, on the the musical side and in like compression and in kind of riding sliders volume automation all those things and then we said very simply we've got to look at all those three those four tiers and understand that there are three distinct phases of home recording the, the pre-production phase, the post-production phase, and then the mastering or the finalizing phase. Well, today we're going to dive back into where we have been. We've been looking at uh, a drum mix that I put together. I'm working on a project right now from a, a band called Chapter X, and this is a song called Isle of Me. So I want to show you exactly what we got going on, and we'll take a little closer look at building out your drum mix through processing this through the 4-3 the framework. All right, I've got my session open in Sonar X2 Producer, and I'm working on a project from the band Chapter X, and this is a song called Isle of Me. If you like what you hear and you want to find out more about Chapter X, head on over to facebook.com forward slash Chapter X Rock. Uh, well, this is the project that we actually introed uh, in our last uh, episode, episode number 22, dealing with the kick drum and, and using the 4-3 process to kind of add that thunder and that thump and that low to this particular song, which is a rock song, uh, more of a heavy rock song, not quite metal, so kind of in between there a little bit. Uh, but if you need to catch up with that, go ahead and do so, uh, because we're going to springboard off of, of the last episode and continue on to work through the 4-3 and building out the rest of our drum mix. And I want to give a word of caution based upon what we talked about last time as we get into this. Uh, first of all, uh, I don't want to go into everything that we did with a kick drum, but I did mention one thing in our last episode that I want to make sure to explain in depth just a little bit more, and we'll talk more as we move along. Number one, we talked about creating a good amount of isolation between the kick drum and the other instruments in the set. And I, I had talked about how for this particular song that was important to do. 
But I want to remind us that that is kind of an exception to how I would generally build an acoustic kit drum mix. Now, it might be different if you have sample drums and and you really don't need that, uh, you know, real kind of bleed through of of what we're going to talk about in a minute. But it is very important uh, to consider that when you're recording a drum set, in particular, we're in the post-production phase, so we've got our tracks, they are what they are, we're now trying to mix them and edit them together in post-production, you need to consider that you are dealing with a drum kit that needs to be viewed as one complete instrument with several different microphones picking up different aspects of that instrument as opposed to one, uh, as opposed to several individual instruments that you're trying to make one whole. In other words, uh, other other than the bleed through that we have kind of cut off and we literally uh, did some uh, scrubbing of this tracks of the kick drum track and I'll show you what we were left with here in just a minute to remind us but we went through and we took all the snare hits out in between the kick drum that was okay for the kick drum uh, in this particular song and, and judging by the reference mix I was given which I can't play you because of uh, licensing but just the kick that we're after really kind of merited that isolation however that's kind of an exception uh, this kick didn't require a whole lot of room noise to it and not, not a lot of openness to it is real tight and in order to get that we had to provide that separation by using a little bit of noise gating uh, as well as uh, doing uh, some scrubbing of the track so let me remind us here's what we were left with the, with the kick drum uh, you can check out episode number 22 of home music studio one podcast if you want to know how we got to this point but here's what we're left with now and then we'll springboard from here just that just the kick drum track of our project Okay, so, uh, you know, of course, that is within the mix is where what we're most concerned about. We've got a little reverb on there, but uh, what we're doing there is we've got quite a bit of isolation. But my warning is when you consider mixing and building your drum mix, we're going to process the 4-3 here uh, with our next uh, mics here, and I'll explain what that is. But you need to make sure that you're considering uh, that bleed through for the other mics. We don't want to go through and make a lot of isolation from our overheads, trying to only get symbols in the overheads. We don't want to make sure that there's just snare only from the snare drum mic, those bleed through uh, portions of the other tracks are actually going to help us create that fuller, fatter, wider sound. If we start really chopping the rest of those tracks and the rest of those mics, we're going to begin to lose more than we're going to gain. So I just want to give us kind of that forewarning. Uh, that said, we need to process where we're at in our next step of the 4-3 building out our drum mix. Now, the 4-3, in this case, the first tier we're going to deal with is our tone tier. And tone, when it comes to a full drum set, acoustic drum set in this case, uh, these aren't sample drums. Okay, this isn't a MIDI drum. This is a real drum kit. We've got two overhead mics. We've got a snare drum mic. We've got two, uh, two snare drum mics, a top and a bottom. We've got a kick drum mic. We've got a hi-hat mic. We've got three tom mics. And I was also given a, uh, a room mic track, which I actually divided. Uh, it was a mono track. I divided that into a stereo track, which is muted right now. That is something uh, I'll explain uh, later what we're going to do with that in another episode. But for right now, we've got all these mics that we're, we're dealing with. So where do we move next now that we got our kick drum in place? Uh, establishing the kick first really is, is just a preference of mine. It helps me kind of get the feel of the song and kind of go off of that. And so I like to establish the kick drum first and then to build the rest of my drum mix and then build everything else around it in the rest of the project. So with the tone tier, the next place I want to start with building the drum mix is our 
our overheads, our left and our right overhead. So I'm going to unsolo right now the kick drum, and I'm going to let you uh, hear uh, what is going on. I'm going to do a couple different things. I want to narrow in on the overheads. In order to do that, I want to let you hear where they're at right now in kind of this general mix we've got going. Keep in mind, um, we've got a lot of work to do on this project, so we are nowhere near finished. This isn't uh, an exact mix. Uh, we've just kind of got some panning generalized, a little bit of buses set up, and so we're working on some things as we go along, okay? Uh, so I'm going to let you hear the full project from the beginning, uh, just a portion of it, and then we're going to get a little zeroing on uh, our left and our right overhead. So here we go from the beginning. Okay, that kind of gives you an idea of what we're dealing with. Again, nothing is final at this point. We've just got some general things happening, so uh, don't get too concerned about any of the fine details just yet. Um, I, I want to continue now to focus in on what is happening with our drums. In order to do that, uh, I'm going to mute the bass, and uh, I'm also going to, uh, I've got a couple buses set up. I'm going to mute the vocal bus, and I'm also going to take the uh, electric guitars out. We'll deal with them uh, in a future episode. Uh, and so here's what we're left with. Uh, we've got uh, just the drum kit, ha uh, kit happening with the mics that are on minus I do not have the room mics happening yet and I do not have the three Tom mics uh, enabled yet we're dealing just with the overhead mics but let's listen to what we have right now the full drum kit every mic minus the room mics and the Tom mics and let's just see what we're getting Okay, that kind of gives you an idea. Now, let's zero in even one step closer and let's take a listen to just the left overhead and the right overhead and let's hear what we've got going on here and then I'll explain how we got to this point. Okay, that kind of gives you an idea of what we're working with. Now, processing this through the 4-3, the first tier of the 4-3 being tone. Asking ourselves the question with our left and right overhead, is there anything about the tone we need to alter now as we move along into our mix? I'll say by default, almost on every track, the first thing I do, uh, at least in these left and right overheads, what I've done so far uh, is I've uh, enabled an EQ and I've got a high pass filter that is using a 12 uh, dB slope, okay? And so what we're doing is we're we're sloping out our low end. We're allowing the high filter uh, to allow the highs to pass through and we've got from 39 hertz on down basically rolled off. That's kind of our sub low. Uh, you really aren't gonna notice much of any of that in the overheads right now that's simply going to be our starting place when it comes to tone and uh, as we move along we're going to make more adjustments in that in the future but that's where we've started as far as eq i'm happy with what we have started right now okay we're going to make probably more adjustments in the future the deeper we get into our mix but for right now i've got the eq flat other than that high pass filter where we're rolling out uh, from 39 hertz on down with a 12 db slope the second thing you may have noticed as we played is we've got some guitar bleed through happening through the overhead mics. Let me let you hear a portion of that as well. 
Okay, so that is just the left and the right drum overhead. Now you can tell that this was tracked in the same room as the guitars, or at least near it, uh, and you can hear some bleed through going on. Now initially, it might be tempting to throw a noise gate on the overhead or to just start slicing up that track and pulling out uh, the, the bleed through that you're hearing from the guitar. And here is my warning again to remind us uh, that is maybe at this point, I'm not gonna be too concerned dealing with our tone tier about isolating any more of what we have naturally happening in our overheads. I think we're going to end up losing more than what we would gain if we do that. So I am not going to insert a noise gate on. I'm not going to scrub anything out of that track uh, for right now. Uh, and what I really want to do in order to make a, a judgment call of whether we're going to need to do that in the future is we need to hear what is going on in the totality of the overall mix. So for right now, I really don't think that that guitar is too much of an issue bleeding through mostly uh, in the right overhead, a little bit in the left. Uh, so we're just going to leave it. I think we're really okay. We've got a great starting place for the 4-3 to begin to work our way through the rest of the framework and kind of ask the rest of these questions. And keep in mind, when you're dealing with a 4-3, think of it more as a funnel that in the initial stages, we've got a lot of things that need happening and we're just kind of making small tweaks here and there, but it's really broad, okay? Uh, we're not trying to get really finely tuned until we get deeper into our mix and begin to build more of it out. And as you look at each track, as you look at each effect, and ultimately as you look down into uh, the master buses and the, in the, the stereo buses, uh, you're going to get closer and closer to being fine-tuned as you move along kind of the end of that funnel. So right now we're kind of at the broad spectrum of that funnel and uh, we're not too concerned about the bleed through that's happening. Uh, I, I would be surprised if in the end it becomes an issue, but if it is, we won't really be able to finally determine that until we've got more of our mix built out. So in the 4-3, our first tier, uh, we're in, of course, the post-production phase. Our first tier of the 4-3, looking at our overheads, I think we got a great place to start when it comes to our tone. Now, the second tier of the 4-3 is uh, the depth of feel. What kind of space does it feel like through these left and right overheads that the drums are being played in? Do they feel like they're playing inside a small shoebox where there's no decay, there's just no space at all, it's just dry, it's like a, a white matrix room that just seems to be in the middle of nothing? Or do they feel like they're playing at Woodstock and out in the middle of an open field or, or in a giant arena where there's lots of echo? Well, if we listen one more time to what's going on in the overhead, uh, I think I'll, I'll point out just a couple things. Again, left and right overhead, just uh, zero in. I'm, I'm kind of listening to the depth of what is happening here. Okay. Uh, first of all, what I'm noticing is we actually have a little bit of room sound happening. Of course, you can hear the other guitars in there. Um, we've got a pretty good wide picture of what is happening with the drum kits, and thus is the reason why we've started mixing with the overheads. Our depth of the drum kits are really starting to be based upon what is happening in our overhead mics, and if we get these set right, it's going to make everything else in the kit so much easier. What we're attempting to do is get the broadest picture of that drum kit first, kind of situated and in as far as the depth we're getting a natural depth that is being created by the simple fact that our left and our right overhead they're probably i wasn't there in the room that they were tracked but they were probably about three feet apart maybe 18 to 24 inches above the kit but they're getting a balance of the drum kit the room around it and all of the kit is is simply bleeding through those mics knowing that proximity is going to make our cymbals louder and the louder instruments are bleeding through a little bit more but we've got a decent uh dynamic happening 
feeling of the space. They feel like they're in kind of a medium-sized room, and we'll make some adjustments as we get along uh, to kind of fine-tune that. Now, the other thing I've added in the depth of tier field regarding our overheads is I did insert an aux send uh, where I'm going now down to another bus that I've inserted. And on that bus is an effects bus. I'm, I'm treating this as my drum master of bus. Uh, and I've just got a basic uh, right now. It's a hall reverb that I've got inserted on there. I've got a little bit of high cut from 2.7 kilohertz on up. Uh, I'm using a stereo widener that's just part of built into this plugin at 200%. So it's a stereo reverb and it's nice and wide, pushed real hard left outside is what it's going to perceive. And then I've made sure that because this isn't an aug send, I have the dry return muted. In other words, the signal is going into the bus, uh, out of the aug send, into the bus, into the plug-in reverb plug-in, and coming out of it is only the reverb or the wet process signal. I've got the dry signal muted so that on the return of that stereo bus back to my drum bus, then to my master fader, we're only mixing in the reverb signal and we're not doubling up on our dry signal. So that's important. Uh, we're not going to spend too much time here on the reverb. I will say that uh, that's a good starting place. And in the, the future, as we continue to process the 4.3, we're going to probably spend a little more time on uh, reverb. But we've got it there now to start with. And um, you really are, it, it's not a whole lot audible in there. Uh, really, I've got uh, just a tiny bit of the send happening just to make sure the signal is there. But most of what you're hearing is the depth from the natural drum mics uh, being left and right overhead themselves. I think we're good at this point on the depth of field tier. I'm happy with starting here. Uh, our next tier is the stereo field tier. Where are the left and the right overheads sitting within the stereo mix? And do we need to do something to put them where they should be? Part of the mindset in this, if you're dealing with an acoustic kit, uh, think of it from the perspective of my personal choice of the listener. If you were looking at this drum kit, imagine where the pieces would be and ask yourself in the drum overheads, Do does each instrument, snare drum, toms, uh, cymbals, ride, uh, hat, do, does it sound like it's, it's occupying the stereo field of where it would be if it were being played directly in front of me and I was setting about 10 feet in front of this kit, where would my ears perceive this uh, this this sound to, to be coming from, okay? And, uh, and you really got to focus on each individual uh, sound in order to kind of make that determination. Here's where I normally start when it comes to panning on the, the, the overheads uh, of an acoustic kit. I initially start simply by panning them hard left and hard right, uh, left overhead, hard left, right overhead, hard right. And then I begin to listen to what is going on. Uh, and from there, the next question I am asking myself first is where is my snare drum in the stereo field through my overhead mics? If my snare feels like it's really heavy to off to one side, then I need to make a couple adjustments in order to bring that snare more center. Now, the snare drum that you're going to hear in the left and right overhead is going to sound slightly wider than the snare that you will hear in the close mic version of the snare. And we'll find that out as we get a little bit long. For right now, we know it's going to be a little bit fatter of a sound, but it's going to be thinner. It's going to be kind of the top end of that, all right? Uh, but what we want to know is where is that snare peaking at? Uh, and even where is kind of the RMS of those snare hits? Where are they hitting? in the stereo field? Do they feel off to one side or they feel more in the center? Now, for sake of time, I already kind of balanced this out just a little bit. Uh, and let me show you how I got to this point. Again, started with my stereo field, my left and right overheads just simply being panned hard left and hard right. 
Uh, total side note, the aux send for my reverb is also panned accordingly. So on the left, I've got, uh, you know, a stereo option. It's a stereo aux send out of the track for the left overhead. And I'm mirroring my panning on my aux send, uh, as well, um, as what I'm doing with the, the main fader here. And so um, within the left and right overhead, the first thing I did was I listened to what was happening. And what I heard right away was uh, if I, if I, I'll do this here, um, with my left and right overhead pans at 100%, let's take a listen to a little section here where we've got more snare drums, some hits here. It's going to be a little bit annoying for a minute. Uh, I'm going to loop this section here, but uh, we want to hear exactly what is happening with that snare drum uh, in kind of a real strong snare spot. So this is with left and right overhead just kind of panned to the outsides. Uh, let's see what we've got going on. Okay, when you naturally hear that, it's a little bit stronger in the left side of the mix. Uh, now, I've done a couple things to compensate for this, uh, and, it, and it took me just a little bit of playing, so I'm not going to adjust uh, both of them at the time. I'm just going to tell you what I did. Uh, the first thing I did was I used a really handy-dandy little tool. Uh, and uh, I'm going to massacre uh, how you pronounce this, but uh, Sonocasis Free G Stereo uh, Fader, and I believe that's how you say it also, uh, sonocasis.com, where you can go to S-N-A or S-O-N-A-L-K-S-I-S.com. You can also check out musicworks.fr, and this is a free VST plugin that is a, a 64-bit master fader that you can insert on your master bus. What I love about it it is, is it gives me a nice little uh, left to right peak meter that is very accurate, both displaying the the actual uh, you know meter itself going up and down as well as numbers, and it also includes a left to right R and S meter, which is also helpful, kind of taking the average of what is happening there of uh, of my sound going up and down in decibel levels. Uh, gives you the ability to have a phase flip if you want, uh, of course a bypass mute, and then uh, the fine option basically has to do with how much of that fader option do we want. Um, it's definitely got. Uh, um, quite a bit more room to go up and down. So you can check this out. Uh, this is a tool that I use now, listening to the left and the right overhead in this little section here. Uh, I, I use this to determine where are my RMS hits coming of that snare. Do they feel like they're off to one side uh, if I'm listening? And can I verify that with the meters? And uh, the first thing that I noticed is I needed to make a small adjustment by bringing uh, down one side of, of those overhead mics to help kind of pull that snare into the center a little bit. And so on my left uh, snare, I actually brought that down. Uh, here's my volumes right now. Uh, the volume of the left overhead is at uh, minus uh, 7.6 dB. The volume of my right overhead is minus 8 dB, and that's kind of the difference between the two. Now, um, as I listened to the mix, that wasn't enough. The snare still felt like it was over to the left side. Uh, I was able to verify that. Let's listen right now, and I'm going to take a look at my meters with my panning all the way hard left, all the way hard right with these adjustments that I've already made, and let's see how far off it is. Okay, so when we're listening, I don't know if you can hear that. If you got headphones on, we've got our snares still slightly over to the left side. And to verify that with my meters, we've got about a dB difference uh, when it comes to the sound that it feels like the snare is off to the left overhead a little bit more. Now, rather than just continuing to lower the volume of that overhead mic, what would happen is we would start to lose everything else. I'm going to make a small adjustment in my panning. Again, we're dealing with a stereo field tier. I'm going to bring in that left overhead. And in this case, 
I spent a little time playing with this. I'm going to bring the left overhead into about 50%, and then I'm going to take another listen and, and see where that snare feels like it's coming in now in those overheads. Okay, hopefully you can hear a difference of that if you got headphones on. Uh, I'm peaking uh, at about negative 13.8 on the left, negative 13.59 on the right. And then my RMS for those snare hits are negative 23.42 on the left, negative 23.44 on the right. That is actually pretty good on the snare. Uh, and that pulls that a little more at center. That's a great place to start for right now. What we don't want happening is the snare to feel really heavy on one side in our overheads and then our close mic to have that that snare dead center where we want it to be and then when we bring those together we've got two fighting sounds where it's going to make our snare feel a lot wider than what we really need it to be that's really going to hurt us when it comes to the stereo field tier so we've got that correction in there uh, and we've got that made as well that helps our snare be more to the center now the last thing we really need to uh, to deal with in this case is the dynamics um, at this point, I do not have any compression on the overhead mics. Uh, we may do that down the road. Right now, it's a great place to start. Uh, I find myself reaching more for a little bit of a limiting compression, uh, something where I'm more concerned about those peak values, less concerned about the overall, depending on the drummer. But that is something we're going to determine when we get the mix built out a little bit more and what does it look like as a whole. So for right now, we've got no compression, uh, but we do want to adjust our volume just a little bit and verify it's in the mix where it needs to be. Now, because we've made our adjustments to our volume and our panning, I'm going to do this. I'm going to go ahead and uh, and lock our, uh, I'm going to group my volume uh, on both of these together, my left and right. I'm going to group that volume together so that when I move one, uh, the other is moving with it. Now, that allows me to keep that snare right in the center, but control the volume or the dynamic of the overheads. Now, a simple trick when it comes to setting volume on overheads, at this point, listen to your crashes and your cymbals and your rides. Set the overheads in the mix based upon those things as opposed to snare. Uh, we'll use the close mic to, to add a little more beef to the snare later on. So I'm going to do this. I'm going to take my loop off. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and unsolo my left and right overhead, and I'm going to bring in the rest of what we pulled out of this mix, minus our room mics, uh, and I'm going to make a small adjustment on the dynamics. I want to. I kind of want to hear exactly what's going on and make a small adjustment uh, volume-wise on my left and right overhead. And I'm going to listen for my cymbals and where they're at. Are they in the right spot uh, or at least a good place to start with? And I'll make adjustments accordingly. With my Okay, that is actually a really great place to start. I'm happy with that for now. Uh, we'll fine-tune that as we move along, uh, but that would be the dynamic phase in, the, in this part. That would be the dynamic tier of the 4-3 framework. 
Uh, and that's it, guys. This is where we start. Uh, we'll continue to move on in our mix in our next episode. Hopefully, this has been helpful to you. I'd love to hear your feedback, any questions you might have, any comments you might have. Uh, make sure to head on over to homemusicstudio1.com. Throw them in the comment section at the bottom. You can also respond in the, the video post or the audio as well uh, in iTunes. Uh, I appreciate your feedback as well and your review. It helps other people find us uh, in the homemusicstudio1.com podcast. With that, uh, don't forget, if if you haven't taken that next step to uh, really create professional audio on any size budget, you can do that. Head on over to freerecordingreport.com and you can get started today with doing exactly that. Until next time, this is Dave Maxey with Home Music Studio One. <laughs>